Hello and welcome to the Into the Desert podcast, where we talk to inspiring people and hear their stories of motivation, courage, drive, productivity, and how their environment dictated their performance. Today's special guest has over 20 years experience in the Middle East and is the biggest name out here when it comes to networking. He's on a mission to enable entrepreneurs to live inspirational lives today by unlocking their potential to create successful businesses. Bill Bedford, great to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Oh, super to be here, Freddie. I'd love to hear a little starting point, a little bit about your current business, what you've been up to. So over the last uh, probably about 17 years, I've been he- heavily involved with a franchise by the name of Ascentive. And Ascentive is based out of Switzerland. Uh, I run the rights for the GCC, basically. So my, I'm in Dubai, living in Dubai now mm-hmm. 25 years. Wow. So yeah, it's a long time, majority of my life. And... Um, yeah, really focuses on building communities of entrepreneurs and enabling them with the, the skills they need to grow their business, specifically in the area of business development through relationships, which I'm sure we'll touch on. In a minute. Yeah, of course. Amazing. So how, where was the starting point for you to come into the world of networking and be so well known, especially here for networking as the rebel networker? You know, some people talk to you as the, the millionaire networker. Where, <laughs> where, did this, where did it start? What's the journey? Yeah, so the Millionaire Network is actually a program I have online, an e-course. Uh, the Rebel Networker is my brand, mm-hmm. as you rightly picked up on. Um, so I suppose taking a bit of a step back, uh, when I first came to the UAE, I came with a job, had a job, and I was like, okay, if I don't have, if I'm not a manager by the time I'm 30, then I'm going home. Um, but what I found out pretty much immediately within the first six months is I taught salsa in the UK. It was a hobby. And when I landed in Dubai, uh, the the level of salsa was pretty much non-existent. There was a couple of people fumbling around. And I went to the local club, had a dance, and everyone was like, oh, my goodness, you've got to teach, which is kind of weird when you look at me because I don't look like a salsa dancer. Um, and so I pretty much started teaching salsa four or five nights a week. So that was my first um, expedition into working for myself. Um, so that became in the evenings. I was very lucky to have an employer who understood the benefit of me having a job on the side. Mm. And so that was where I started to meet all these people in all these positions. Um, I then moved on to kite surfing as a business as well, where I met even more people. So what, what started to show up was because I was working in whatever job it was at the time, but my social networks were so strong, I was developing business opportunities from my social networks. I, see. I wasn't cold calling, I wasn't selling, I wasn't doing advertising, but all these people were popping into my, my funnel of my business. Uh, and, and I didn't even realize what was happening, to be honest with you. They were just, I was just successful. Mm. And it wasn't until a number of years later I got involved with a networking group called BNI, which mm. is another international um, referral-based networking group. And uh, I joined as a member and pretty much immediately was asked to start setting them up, training them. Uh, and at that point in time, I went, right, that's what I've been doing. Sure. Okay. okay. I've been the top salesperson, but I'd never cold called in my life. I'd never done sales training and I couldn't work out why I was converting people. And what it was is I realized I was networking and I'd never put a name to it before. Mm. And at that point in time, that's what then introduced me to the science of networking and, and really trying to put a proactive um, process behind it rather than just sitting there going, oh, I hope I'm going to get business. I hope I'm going to get referrals. Mm. I hope I'm going to bump into people. And, and at that point in time, that's where I developed the brand of the Rebel Networker. So really it was putting a, I suppose the difference is metaphorically, it's, it's like someone gives you a car and you just jump in and try and drive and then you're sort of jerking. But you're moving forward, but you're kind of jerking because you don't really know how to drive sure. it, but it's kind of going. Or you can jump in and say, look, before I get in that car, I want an advanced driving course, please. 
And that's what I moved into. It's amazing. A lot of people say, you know, if you want to get ahead in business, speak to someone who's already there. And it's a very similar thing with networking, right? Like you say, most people don't know how to do it. So why not talk to someone who's, you know, notably good at it and learn from them? You can take massive leaps and, and, and bounds forward. I want to take you back one step to just how did you get into salsa when you're in the UK? So I lived in Spain. Uh, okay. I did a master's degree in European construction engineering, um, which was a mixture of civils and, and building engineering. And while I was living in Spain, uh, a friend of mine, one of my best friends was Spanish, and a very good friend of his ran a dance school. Uh, so I was obviously looking for things to do. My Spanish was atrocious at the time. Um, and they basically, like most dancing schools in the world at the time, had no men. It was all ladies turning up to dance, and it was all partner dancing. So my friend and I went along, and I was just basically this body that, that couldn't speak Spanish, didn't know what was going on, and I was just this guy that was leading ladies. Uh, and we were doing everything from um, tango, foxtrot, waltz, uh, all this stuff, and salsa was one of them. Um, so that's where I started, but not very good. Yeah. Um, but when I went back to the UK, uh, I got involved helping people, yeah. learning how to teach, and then transitioned into running my own classes. Really cool. So actually you've turned what was actually like almost like a, an awkward situation into a passion, into an accidental career, if you don't mind me saying, you know, it's networking along the way, but then it's turned into something much Well, it is. And it, it was interesting because um, this, this is what led me to something else, which is there's always this saying, which is those who can't do teach. Mm -hmm. And it's always meant like an insult, I think. Mm. Well, I think it's actually what makes good teachers. Because what I realized was I was a terrible salsa student. It was really hard for me to learn. I was, everyone was quicker than me. But what I realized was I was a very good teacher. And I think it comes from a couple of areas. One, because you've struggled yourself, so you have a little bit more compassion for people mm. that can't do it. And secondly, I had the ability to break things down. And so what I found was people who are possibly natural at stuff don't necessarily make good teachers because they don't have the patience. They can't understand why people can't get it. So I think those who can't do teach mm. is actually a real compliment. I completely agree. And it's actually nice to hear you say that because teachers get a lot of, a lot of, you know, well, not hate, but people sometimes don't see the, 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 the power that they have. Of course, it's a massive power and it's a really amazing ability and, and talent. So if I fast forward you back again, so you're, you're working at BNI. Mm -hmm. You managed to move into a director role there, am I correct? Correct. Well, it was, I had a full-time job in real estate and the BNI was a temporary role. Uh, so it was a voluntary sort of yep. role where I would build these groups and train them. And so that's, of course, what segment actually took me back to a passion because I'd always wanted to be in always wanted to be a teacher. There you but, go. <laughs> but here's the thing. No, nobody told me you actually had to pass your exams at school to go to university. So when I left school with, at the time, what was we call a CSE in history and one in biology, which was not a lot of good to man nor beast, um, I didn't actually end up going to university. So I actually had to put myself back through uni to get the grades to go to uni. Mm. And I put myself through college by working on a building site carrying bricks. Uh, while I put myself back through college. So, Brilliant. yeah, it was a bit of a journey. Yeah. It wasn't easy. So you went from B&I and you had your real estate job. And when was the time that you made the jump into self-employment totally? Um, well, in a way, with the real estate, it was kind of self-employment because I was on commission only. Okay. So even though I worked for a company in real estate, there was no basic wage. Um, but what I did have was my salsa on the side and I had my kite surfing on the side. So mm. this is one of the, the, obviously the messages for anyone that's starting their own business is in your first couple of years, don't expect to earn a wage. So you have to have some kind of other income, whether it's your partner in business, your partner, your wife, a loan, another job, whatever. So that kept me going. Um, and so that's when I really made that. But when I made the full transition to what I would say was my own business, 
was when uh, I started Ascentive. So when I took the franchise for Ascentive in this region where it was officially my business. And there you go, buddy. If you don't earn, you don't eat. Yeah, that was the the real transition. Amazing, and I think it's, it's a great time to move into the networking now, which is the bulk mm. of, the, of the conversation. Because mm. um, for people that don't know, if you go on LinkedIn and in Dubai, if you're looking at anyone on LinkedIn to, to connect with, it will almost always say mutual connection, Phil Bedford. <laughs> I mean, you know everyone, and you've got multiple networking groups that you have, including your dinner club, mm-hmm. um, and including lots of things like Small Business Connect and, and so on. Um, I'd like to ask you what your thoughts are on the power of networking. You know, how, where does the power come from? You know, it, it sounds like you've done a lot of things in business, in sales, in uh, your passions, and actually you've learned a lot about psychology through that. Mm-hmm. So what have you been able to take from that and, and now unleash and, and create into a powerful network? Well, I think um, networking is vastly misunderstood to start off. Um, people, when you tell them about networking or let's go networking, they go cold or can't be bothered or say it doesn't mm-hmm. work. And that's because networking has been very much stamped with uh, walk into a room, hand out business cards, talk about your business, follow up, and it's really uncomfortable. That's not networking, that's handing out business cards. Networking is what happens before, which is where should I be? Mm-hmm. Networking. Then afterwards, what happens next? How do you then take the individuals you've met and then develop that relationship in, in, in the direction that has the most value for you and them? And that's the skill. And unfortunately, that's what people miss. Uh, there's a great example for this. If I was going to say to you right now, okay, you've got two hours with Joe Biden. Okay. Okay, US yeah. President, two hours, yeah. or someone else that of equal sort of connection. And you've got two hours. And at the end of two hours, he turns around and he says, right, Freddie, you can have one of two things. You can have half a million dollars, and you can spend it as you want to help you grow your business, or I'll help you from my network and my goodwill ongoing. Which one do you want? Take the network. You take the network. Yeah. Why? Because I think you've got to, you know, someone like that. You know, their network's powerful. If they bought into what you're talking about and your your passion, there's way more power in that. I think because there's more people, more connections. If he has given the sway that this is a good idea and he wants to help you, others will follow. Um, I think in a lot of circumstances, you see this question asked in other ways, and you'd say you should take the money now. If it's if it's five hundred thousand dollars now or in three years' time a million dollars. Take the money now because you should back yourself and you can invest it. Mm-hmm. But if it's a network versus the money, which I think is a really interesting question, I would take the network. And so, so most people with the five hundred thousand, they may take it and invest it. But as a small business owner, what would they do with that money? Yeah, they probably spend it on things that they, they didn't need to do. Didn't advertising, to marketing, yeah. getting off it. So, so basically, it's very exhaustible. Yeah. And advertising and marketing, you need to keep paying, right? Sure. So that's one option. Um, so the one with the relationship is he could help you solve problems, strategically introduce you. So that's a long-term view. So most networkers would get that, right? But, but the interesting thing is most people in business, even though they know that, they choose the money. Because it's tangible. And because it's tangible. But here's the thing. So people will spend money on marketing and advertising because that's what they think they need to do. But when we say, okay, what about this Joe Biden thing? They're like, yeah, yeah, of course, but they won't do it. Yeah. Now, where's the real skill in this, in this story? The real opportunity in this and the real question is how did you get introduced to Joe in the first place? <laughs> then you have an option to get funding or, or network. Yeah. But people aren't realizing. And so a lot of us think that we that we know it's important. We think we have contacts, but most of us don't. Yeah. Now, you, obviously, this is an extreme example, right? But the point is, who who in your local market and how can you build those kind of connections who will ethically help you? Because But most people don't have those connections. Yeah. 
and particularly when you're launching a new business. Because when you launch a new business, you may come from a CEO position or an employee position and we say, okay, right, right, go. And they're like, well, I haven't got any money. So, okay, I'll leverage my network. But your network is the people you worked with sat in your business, your friends and your boss. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and if you want to leverage that network of getting you into Joe, for example, how many years does it take you to build that? And for most people, that's 5, 10, 15, 20 years, which is what we experience in the Middle East. The most connected people here are 10 or 15 years. Well, a small business owner doesn't have 10 or 15 no. years. They've got a year or two. Yeah. So the question is, how do you fast track that? And of course, that's what I've been doing for the last 16 years, is teaching people that in four months, you can strategically fast track that network, and then you've got the advantage mm. of Joe. But here's what is was. People don't want to pay to learn. Sure. They'll just go and throw money away. And, and that's okay. Yeah, you just have to, you, you make a choice. But they'll learn. They'll probably come back. We, we always try and think if what, they've still got money left. That is very true. Or they go, <laughs> they go back home because it's such a transient place, right? Do you think there's a skill in in the approach? So there's obviously ways that you can network, and and we'll come on to that. You know, the, some of the events that you run and, and the follow up. But when someone says, right, you should network online on LinkedIn, or or before you go to a networking event, do you think there's a skill or a tactic people should be using in the approach to someone? Because you can't just say you're with my network. I want to work with you. Mm. What, how do you think someone should approach them in, in a way that actually creates a bond that is mutually agreeable and, and actually will go somewhere? So you're talking about LinkedIn and physical events. What's yeah. that commonality? I'm, I'm just talking about the way to, to, to start a partnership. Okay, well, <laughs> I think as a human being, we all know that if I come up to you and say as a stranger and go, hey, I need you to do me a favor, dude. I need you to introduce me. I need you mm. to give me money. I need you. To... So what you're doing is you're taking... Yep. Right, and as someone you don't, you're like, ooh, excuse me. Right, so if you approach networking from a taking perspective, it doesn't work. Now, flip that. Now, imagine this person that I, I come up to, and the first thing I do is I try and help you with a connection, or I give you some advice, or I buy you a cup of coffee, or I buy you, I do something for you. Well, now when I turn around and say, hey, let's have a chat about, it, you're like, oh, okay, because this yeah. person. So it's what we call reciprocity or paying it forward. And it's that, you know, at the end of the day, a simple example would be if I buy you a cup of coffee, what do you need? What do you want to do as a human being? Well, you feel indebted, don't you? You feel indebted. You want to buy me a coffee back? No, it's my, my turn. Yeah. Right. If I buy you four cups of coffee, you're like, dude, you really need to let me. So it can be done the same in business. So approach networking with how can I help them? How can I enrich that conversation? How can I leave that person more enriched than when I found them? Mm. And then you've put the energy in the right way. I think it's really interesting because, like you said before, a lot of people don't know and won't invest in how to network. And therefore, just like you say there, you turn up to an event and they, they do their pitch to you, give the business card, and they either try and then sell or they want to move on. Mm -hmm. It's quite rare that they have the approach that you've just spoken about. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just because they haven't invested in what to do? Or do you think they literally just want to get around everyone because that's what they think is the right thing? Um, I used to do that. Okay. Okay, and the reason I used to do that was because my boss told me to do it. Okay, just hand as many out as you yeah, can. Yeah, Phil, you cards. need to go, and you see it all the time in Dubai, particularly with some um, professions here. Mm. Yeah, you start with us, there's your business cards, go to this network, go to that network, give out as many business cards <laughs> as you can, and then call them all. And what that is, is cold calling face-to-face. -face. Yeah, that's very true, yeah. So when someone calls you on the telephone, you're like, oh, God, get out of it. What oh, an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Um, although some of them are really good at it. <laughs> um, but no one must be cold called face-to-face. -face. So if he's selling and he's selling, nobody's listening, mm. right? Now, if you can change that dynamic to how can I enrich your life, 
suddenly that person's going, oh, wow, I like this person. But I mean, that's a simple skill. You can teach that in 10 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's the problem. People are uh, taught or told to network by bosses who don't necessarily understand themselves. Mm -hmm. And when you don't understand yourself and you're teaching your staff to do something you don't understand, of course it doesn't work. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? As some people hear that I think are really good at networking. Um, the, the first thing they'll say after you've introduced themselves or the second time you meet them, they'll say, what can I do for you? Yep. And, and that's almost completely takes you off guard yep. because you're thinking straight away, you know, should I actually try and take as much as I can or should I you know, try and give it back to them? Or, you know, why is he saying that? Mm. And it's actually quite a nice conversation starter because it almost diffuses the tension of what can be networking, right? Which is quite, which is quite cool. Um, I want to flip it to the other side of networking, mm -hmm. which are also quite, you know, you're very hot on, which I think is, is really cool. And you say it at your events, follow-up is where the networking almost mm -hmm. happens, right? The, mm -hmm. the meeting in person is, is the start. The actual networking is the follow-up. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit to that and where that came from and how you think people can take the most from, from the follow-up of, of a networking event? Yeah, I mean, you just got to look at anyone who goes to a networking event, they pick up all these business cards and then they go home and they're like, well, let me put the business cards on the side while I carry on catching up with everything that happened. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I'll get around to that in a minute. And then you go away, you come back the next day and you're like, oh, those business cards, are oh, push them further to the side, finish this. Oh, they're in the mess, gone. So all those hours you spent at the networking event have probably gone, mm. right? Now, that's number one is taking action. So what they should be doing is going into a system. But then you have to, what we call follow up appropriately, right? So what we don't do is send every single person an email saying, this is what I do, buy from me, yeah. right? Because well, you know what it's like. Have you been to a networking event and you receive an email from someone who sells that? You're like, what? Delete. Mm. But that's completely different. Now, if we're at a networking event and we talk about, um, I know you're into CrossFit, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about CrossFit and I'm, and I'm into sport myself and we have a conversation and we say, look, you know, I'd, I'd love to introduce my friend who's also in CrossFit. He's looking to find a gym, right? Yeah. Now, afterwards in the follow-up, I say, Freddie, you know, here's my, here's my friend that was into the gym. Thanks for offering to help him. Here's the connection. See you soon. Well, you think it's nice. He thinks it's nice. And, and everyone thinks I'm great for yeah. helping. But if, the, if I forget all that and just sell at you, I've just destroyed all the goodwill. Yeah, exactly. But, but here's, here's the other thing, and this goes from sales statistics. If you're in a room of 100 people and all those people have the potential to buy from you, right? And I sell at everybody, right? I pitch to everybody, give them my card, pitch to everyone out of 100 people. How many people statistically would normally buy from you on that first occasion. And remember, all of them could. Very little. Yeah, it's around 1% to 2%. So that's if you get around 100 people. Mm. But when you're at a networking event, how many people do you really get around? 20, if you're, if you're if, lucky, yeah. Yeah, 10 to 20, right? Each, each conversation is 10 minutes, let's say. Yeah. That gives you six people an hour. Most events for two hours, that's 12 people. Mm. If you're having a decent conversation, right? 12 yeah. people. Right? So if you've got 12 people and only 1% or 2% are going to buy from you when you sell at them, that's nobody. nobody. So, so the chances are you're not going to get anyone if you sell at everybody. But what you will have is 12 people who are like, oh, my God, it's that horrible person that just sold at me. And, oh, mm. God, so I'll skip next time I see him. So have you just wasted your time? Absolutely. But people don't want to learn how to network. Yeah. Right. Now, here's the next thing. How many times would you have to see somebody or follow up for them, allowed to, for them to turn around and say, you know what? Yeah. I was in the market, I still am, and now I buy. A lot. It's something like seven times, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's historically eight to 12 times. Mm. So you're nearly there. So between eight and 12 
contacts, follow-ups, most people who are in the market will convert, mm. right? So number one, from a sales perspective, most salespeople don't follow up eight to 12 times anyway. They do it once or twice and stop. In fact, 85% stop after mm. two calls. <laughs> um, but if you're in a networking event, let's just say you went to the networking event. I met Freddie, have a conversation, really nice. You know, I see him again twice. I'm not being inappropriate. I'm not overly selling. And Freddie's going, you know what? And by his fifth or sixth time, he goes, yeah. you know what? Yeah, all right, I'm in. And that, that's why if you keep going back to networking groups and you keep adding value and you keep thinking, how do I enrich these people, and you show yourself as professional, they'll buy when they're ready. But what does everybody do? They go to a networking event once and don't go back again because they're all based on, I want to close people immediately. Yeah. So it's that human approach I think you have, which is very different to a lot of other networking events. Mm. They are more about the numbers, get them out there, meet everyone. If you want to follow up, we can help you. We can get your name out there, whatever. But you always just like meet the person. Remember, it's a person you're talking to. Have a conversation, ask questions, learn about them. That's so much more powerful. I really, I want to ask you about business cards. So from the UK, we rarely use business cards mm -hmm. in our business. Here, it's, it's a massive thing, mm -hmm. right? So what are your opinions on business cards? Do you, think it, do you think it matters? Do you think you need to have a certain layout? Do you think people remember them? Yeah, I still think they're a very good tool. Okay. I've got to be honest with you. Um, and the reason is, it is one of the cheapest forms of marketing the business. Mm. Right? So <laughs> um, I think, number one, I prefer to take somebody's business card rather than give my own. Okay. Right? And the reason for that is nine times out of ten, if I give my card, I'll just end up on a spam list. But when I take their card, because I, I'm trained in networking, I can, and I've had this conversation about how can I help them. I'll make notes on that card about, well, maybe I can need to connect them to a tennis coach or I need to invite them for a meal because we've got a synergy or I need to connect them to this person because they could work together or he asked me to contact them for business. It happens, right? So because I've written on the card, okay, I now know how to follow up. I'm in control of that because I know how to network. Most people don't. Mm. Right, so I'd rather be in control of that. And I can also introduce Freddie to this guy and what whatnot, so I can take control. And and because I can just write it on a card quickly, I then put it in one pocket to take action on, put the ones that there's no synergy in a different pocket, so I also know which ones to act That's on it. quickly. Um, but, um, you know, I've met people and they say to me, Phil, this, this business card thing's rubbish. And um, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll never forget, I was, I, was, I was sat there with these two guys uh, and we were having a meeting with a guy from a big hotel here. And the two guys didn't do business cards because it apparently it was old school. Right. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so um, they, they were asked to connect with this guy and the, the guy from the hotel said, oh, by the way, uh, how can I have your details for you? So I went, there's my business card. He goes, great, thank you. And he said to these gentlemen, right, can I have your business, your details? So the one guy, I'm going to call him John, <laughs> nice, <laughs> in nice. case the actual chat is listening John says yeah yeah um, my, my name is spelled J-O-H-N yeah. then he goes into the surname and the guy goes okay Y-O-H no 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 J-O-O-J J-O-N no 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 J-O-H-N anyway 15 minutes later we're still writing all the details yeah exactly it's a similar thing with the QR code isn't it especially when you're, when you're in a quick situation you know I, I got the QR code and I thought that was a great way to do it because they can go onto my website they can see everything I can have everything mm -hmm. I want there but actually People either they like, oh, I don't have the app or they don't know their phone can do QR codes or they try and scan it. It doesn't quite work. They move on. It's not, I don't think it's as clever as people think it is. And actually yeah. the old school methods are sometimes the best. Well, and of course, then you go into the system and then it's lost. Well, I would rather have that. I know who they are, what to do, and I can take action exactly. immediately. It's on no the phone, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a place for it. 
as good as technology is. Exactly. I want to move on to something close to my heart, which is the environment uh-huh. in which that we, we network. Yes. How powerful do you think an environment is when you're, when you're setting up a networking event? Um, hugely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, from your space, you know, with you guys and, and setting up an environment, you know it immediately affects, you know, the mentality of the people in the room. I just actually came back from a place that you designed at the Warrior Academy in Dubai. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw how you'd set it out and it was it was light, it was open, people people weren't in cubicles. So, you know, that that has that beautiful feel of oneness and energy and lighting. So it's important, right? So take that to networking. Sure. And um, networking, uh, you go to an event and let's say you, you go in and um, they provide these circular tables that everybody provides at networking events, right? So what happens? Everybody stands around the circular table, right? Right, so they're all engaged in this conversation and you're walking up to that table going, well, look, I can't butt into there. It's really rude and they've all, they all got the backs to me and how, well, how is that conducive to networking? Yeah. Right? Or um, I remember speaking at one place where they had really, bad, really loud noise going on from um, because they'd done it in a bar, which was nice, but then we couldn't hear each other. So there's so many things that you can, you can play. I mean, environment is different because it's nice to have casual events. It's nice to have more serious. But you do need to think that at the end of the day, people are there to talk. Yeah. And they want to be in an environment where they can um, have conversations. And that's why in, in one of my Super Connect ones, uh, we make sure that, it, that you provide an environment where everybody gets to meet everybody yeah. and they're comfortable. And you've got to remember one of the environments in networking is people are not comfortable. Sure. That's because they don't know anyone. They're not welcomed. So also building an environment, not just from the layout and the interior, but also the welcome and how you make people feel. Yeah. And even, even to that point, um, the format so the way that one of the, the network events that I go to of yours is that you speak first only about yourself, mm. not, not about business. Mm. You talk about yourself. You build that connection. Mm. How important do you think that is? And is that something you've injected into the network events for, hugely, a, for a big reason? Hugely mm. important. Um, because at the end of the day, people buy people. Yeah. Now, if I, and this is really important. If I come to you at a networking event and we're just talking about business, if you're not going to buy from me, if my only goal is to get you to buy from me, there's pass or fail. Yeah. Right? And that's it. If there's no connection, it's not worth talking to. But if I can find out who you are and what makes you tick. Now, the first time we met was at my dinner club. Yeah, yeah. You were connected to me by a very good friend of ours, Tim Fair Matthews, who's um, a place we're in today, um, uh, from F10. And he introduced us. We, we connected over the, um, the, 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 you know, the, um, what do you call it? Your, um, uh, your fitness. CrossFit. CrossFit. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You never guessed that I'd seen all the films. Um, <laughs> CrossFit. So we connected around that, right? So what happens is you get a deeper bond. If you can bond over something that's in your hobbies, then most people are more passionate about their hobbies and their mm. family and all that. Um, you know, if, if, we can, if we can build that relationship, what it does, it gives us more opportunities to build a relationship than just buy from me mm. or sell to me. That's only one opportunity. But if we've got all these different areas to connect, we have a relationship. And when you have a relationship, people are more inclined to help us. And more people will step up to help each other when they're socially bonded than when they're bonded in work. And the thing is, you may get this buy-sell thing, but if Freddie likes me, he's more inclined to help me. Mm. And that's the power of a relationship. It just gives you more opportunities to want to help each other. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's as much relationship building as it is business building. You touched there on your dinner club. Mm. I think that's a really powerful mm. networking event. It doesn't mm. look like a networking event, right? Because it's just, is it seven or eight, eight guys? Eight people. Eight yeah. people. 
every what six weeks, six weeks yeah. and you just cook for each other. How did that start and what's the power you have there? So again, a friend of mine, uh, Graham Hughes, who's now moved back to the UK. Um, my wife was running a similar club. So like most great things, we steal the idea off ladies, <laughs> but uh, don't tell her I said that. Um, but um, uh, so we decided to do this club. And what we did is we went out and found friends that we both had, but we deliberately chose different nationalities. And we chose people that didn't know each other. So the idea was just to connect around food because um, not all of us were very competent. But the idea is just to challenge ourselves around food. And just, I don't know about you, but how often do you get a group of guys who cook for each other and just enjoy each other's company in a house? They don't go to a bar. They don't go to a restaurant. They just have fun. There's no scores or anything. Mm -hmm. And we just chat. And once every six months, six weeks, someone else cooks. Yeah. Right, and it's, we just honestly, I thought, um, oh my gosh, no one's going to want to cook. We actually fight to be the next person to cook, even if we're not competent. It's amazing, yeah. And the amount of business and the way people have helped each other just in that group of six or eight. I mean, I know this, I should know this, but it always amazes me. Yeah, it's incredible. And mm. your, you know, the food that I had at, at your uh, your dinner club was incredible. And you've even got a, a chef, a professional chef there, right? He's yes. one of the guys, and there's even no pressure for him. He was so complimentary to everyone, and and I guess that. You know, it could add pressure, but you know, because you're such a close group, it it really, really works. It's awesome. Mm. A great way of networking. I want to talk to you about the the courage or the the courage and the drive that you had to move from um, your your employment into self employment. I know we've touched a little bit before about how mm. it was a, a sort of a disconnected journey because it was side by side and you went into mm. self employment. Where was the courage there, and what made you believe that you should become, you know, truly your own boss? Mm. I think I was lucky, or you can always say, you know, luck is opportunity combined with hard work. Mm -hmm. um, but because I, I had, I was working in a company, I think number one was the frustration of not being allowed to go where I wanted to do, which was to be a manager and to be a GM. For some reason, I never had that as part of my journey. And so there was a frustration, number one. Uh, so then when I started my business on the side and I ran that and I did everything myself, I had that freedom. So by starting that side thing, it gave me some of the experiences while I had the security of a job. That was number one. Uh, so I was able to feed into that. And then I started the next one again. So that was one of the reasons I sort of slowly started to get the skills. But the other thing I found was just being around people. And this goes back to networking again. Because so many people in my network were entrepreneurs, I wasn't on my own. Mm. I could immediately tap into expert here, expert there, expert this. Phil, don't do that. I did that. So this is another element to starting your own business is having that support structure of people around you who are willing to help you. And I had that. Yeah. And I I guess, you know, spending this much time in, in, in Dubai and the Middle East, you you see the power of the connections and of networking, right? which is, I think, less so in the UK. It's still, as important, it's still important. But here it is, like you said earlier, it's a face-to-face -face connection that people really want. Um, and I think as in the UAE, most people here have had to take a risk to be here. Yeah. You know, we've left our families. We're here. I mean, I remember when I arrived, I slept on someone's sofa. Mm. I was on my own. I knew one person. Um, and a lot of people leave their families. So immediately you're a risk taker. But secondly, um, because you're on your own, we are that little bit more open, I think, to yeah. meeting people. And you tend to build your Dubai family. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. So I want to talk about productivity. So you've got mm. these businesses throughout and... Um, you know, you've got a team, people working with you and for you. And I'd love to talk about how you stay productive. You know, we talk about the perfect mm. repeatable week in business where mm. you, you get a certain amount of leads a week, you have appointments, you have different mm. classes and stuff you do and you make the sales. How do you stay productive 
week in, week out? What are your tips and tricks? Uh, there's a couple of things I, I would say I do. Um, so I currently work from, um, well, especially during COVID, a home office. So number one, even if I'm working from home, uh, my work clothes go on, my work shoes yes. go on, and I have my work head. And I have a, a, an area which is put aside for work. Um, so there is a distinction, even in the same environment, mm. where you have your work head on. So number one is that, making sure you're in a workspace, mentally as well as physically. Uh, the other thing is I, I always tie in time for fitness. Okay, there's got to be time for fill. Uh, and I find if I don't do exercise, then I start getting stressed. I feel unhealthy. I feel demotivated. I can't be bothered. And so building in time for fitness is huge for me and having a goal there. Mm. So that helps productivity. And so many people stop doing that because they get too busy. And I think it should be built in. Build in time for yourself, whether it's sport or free time or knitting or reading, whatever it is, build it in as if it's your most important client. And you schedule time and you make sure you do it. Just like if you've got kids, you do that as well. So that would be another one. And the other one is saving time. Mm. Find ways to save time. I think people, when you, not everybody, but I think when you, you may have a job, sometimes because you get a wage, it's just about filling out time till it's time to go home. Mm. So you kind of waste time, you float around. Because at five o'clock I'll go and I'll just get a wage anyway. Yeah. And I think when you work for yourself, every there's only two activities in business, making money and losing money. Um, and our inclination is to do the easy stuff, which is losing money. Mm. You know, driving, dropping stuff off here, having chats, being in a car, you know, um, doing things that I shouldn't be doing. So it's how do you dictate, particularly as a solopreneur, how do you spend as much of your time as possible doing money-making activities mm. and outsource as soon as possible the stuff that's not making money activities? I completely agree. And I really like that you touched on the, the physical exercise there because I'm you know, a big believer that, uh, you know, your physical and mental health are, are massively important and they're massively interlinked. Mm. And I think it's unfair to not touch on the sport that you've done because you, you say, you know, you put us in the same bubble as we both like sport, but you have done some incredible feats, right? You've done an Ironman? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironman in South Africa this uh, April just gone, I think it was. Is it your first one? My first full. Uh, so I've done a couple of 70.3s in Dubai. Yeah. Uh, How did you find it? The big one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah? Yeah, I enjoyed every second of it, to be honest with you. Um, there was a bit of pain with things like blisters and mm. stuff, but um, yeah, I, re I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. And it's funny because it, it is tough, and anyone that's done one will know where I'm coming from. Um, but it is an amazing mental feat, and mm. I think that's what I enjoyed more than anything was the mental challenge of it. Yeah, absolutely, it's amazing. Mm. There's actually a really nice uh, Japanese philosophy called Mizoji, which is you should do at least one thing every year that impacts you for the rest of the year. And the oh. example is something like an ultra marathon or you know an Ironman, mm. and I think it's quite powerful if you can if you can just set yourself a challenge complete it and it impacts you for the rest of the year and you're proud of yourself and it was something you worked towards i think it's massively powerful i think something else i want to touch on there is that i think it was the end of last year you i know you're massively into underwater hockey mm. here in dubai and you you've been swimming for a long time you obviously swim for the ironman's underwater hockey mm. but you've got yourself a swimming coach right? yes so you're constantly <laughs> looking to, to yes. learn and to improve yes. incremental change all the way through which i think goes back to networking right? you've got to learn and why don't you ask someone who is better than you or knows the, the skills better than you to improve your own journey right? well the really funny thing about that is and it was a thing is like i always say to people you know all this every day i'll say to people you think you know how to network dude you got a long way to go because i know <laughs> i've been there and i say this and i know this and yet even when it came to the swimming you know it's a different dynamic and i was like you know as a kid i used to swim five times a week i yeah. was like the local champion for this and i said anyway i was good um, you know, and I could turn up at any swimming event and maybe not 
be at the front, but I certainly wouldn't be embarrassed. I'd mm. rate well. So I thought I was a good swimmer. And <laughs> you know what? I just wanted, well, number one, it was a guy in my underworld hockey team. I thought it'd be nice to help him yeah. a little bit financially. But at the same time, I thought, what can I tweak? And so I came in, I was like, right, you know, I'm thinking I'm just going to tweak the shape of my hand a little bit in the water or something like this, or I'm going to tweak something small. I found out I'd been kicking completely incorrectly <laughs> my whole life. I found that I'd been pulling too early. And so basically when I broke it all down, I think I was 30% inefficient. Wow. And I've been doing it my whole life thinking that I was a great swimmer. Wow. And it was just like, Phil, you know this stuff. <laughs> and yet you'll see you're standing here being surprised. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, yeah. It, and this is what I think all of us can step nearly anything mm. up by a percentage by getting a absolutely constantly learning isn't it not being afraid to constantly learn that's a really good i love that so maybe you would have been at the front of the pack if you had had those 30 percent changes well there you go and the funny thing is you know we see all these people like you know steve jobs had a coach towards the end of his life Mm. mark zuckerberg as i understand it has coaches so if these people are humble enough to have coaches isn't it interesting that people that are trying to be successful find every excuse not to have one absolutely absolutely i mean i think a a mentor or coach is, is worth the weight in gold and like i said earlier if you want to do well in business or whatever it is why not ask someone who's already good at it why wouldn't you do that yeah. and that's an ego thing i think some people don't like to admit they can't see the, the, <laughs> the roi but i think it's well that's also the curse of an entrepreneur isn't it i'm going to do this on my own and i don't need any help <clears throat> very and, true and there are people who do it on their own they just need a lot more money that is very true <laughs> some people have have the money given to them right i want to talk to you about uh, about pressure yeah it would dig no bitterness <laughs> i want to talk to you about pressure Mm. so how do you how do you deal with pressure you know as you mentioned they're solopreneur people around you but a very well-known person so there is pressure there to keep up appearances to keep doing things to keep doing your your events each week and the incentive programs how do you cope with the pressure what are your tips um actually i'm listening to you and i don't feel like there's any pressure okay um i think because there's, there's another quote actually i think i can't remember the exact quote something like process get systems gives freedom or process gives freedom and the thing is if you know what to do and you have something that works you can just follow it because i think one of the biggest pressures on anyone i don't know what to do but but i'm not getting money and i don't know am i doing the right thing am i going the right direction when you don't know there's stress but if you know do this do this do this you're okay that's what and 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 again i think that's why with the whole thing what i teach entrepreneurs is you know if you know where to network, if you know who to be with your time, if you know what to do, and if you can just say, do this, do this, do this, boom, mm. suddenly life's a lot easier. Yeah, amazing. I want to move into some, some quick fire questions. Uh-oh. A book recommendation. And, you know, I know that you're a, a, you've got a number of books that you've written yourself. It'd be terrible if I let some own, it? It, it could be one of it. yours. We've had it before. It's absolutely fine. No, but no, no. a recommendation would be amazing. Um, my favorite, I think, of all time is probably The Tipping Point. Okay. Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, and I love just that, that whole, he, he just, the way he just weaves facts into a story and just adds that point. And there's just a number of tipping point things that just get you thinking. Really? And so that'd be a great recommendation. Okay. And what's the, what's the premise? What's the, um, the self development book? It's, it's situations in life where, for example, like a, a product will suddenly go crazy because mm. a certain couple of people can, influence the growth mm-hmm. you know you tell a story about um paul revere and and you know the midnight ride and the, the american independence but it's about how certain people in certain situations with certain abilities can completely change the direction wow. and oddly enough that speaks directly to networking right yeah if you've got the right people around you magic can happen yeah amazing i'll add up to the mm-hmm. list i think we have to touch on your books 
Oh, how many have you got? How many books uh, have you six. written? Six. Six books you've written now? Six, yeah. All on networking? No, uh, a mixture. They're all, they're all to do with relationships. Okay. Uh, but just a, t- a different take on it. And you can ask me which they are now and I'm going to forget. No, it's fine. But they're available on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, all on Amazon and yeah. uh, Phil Bedford, yes. Amazing, yeah. I mean, when did you start writing those? Um, my first book I did when I did my master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone has trouble sleeping, it was... Um, um, TQM, a comparative study between England and Spain. Boom. Mm. That was only to sleep. Uh, so that, forget that one. <laughs> um, but after that, it started with Kiss the Rebel. So I co- sorry, I co-wrote a book um, called The World, World's Best Known Marketing Secret with Dr. Ivan Meisner and, and uh, my partner at the time, BJ Shah. So we co- and Mike Macedonia. So I co-wrote that one. And then I went to my own, which was Kiss the Rebel, which mm-hmm. went international in, I think, three countries, number one. Wow. Uh, on Amazon. And then I wrote another couple. So one about small business mistakes that people make. Um, another one about networking on Zoom. So what I would do is, as part of my own learning as well, I'd listen and see where I thought people were confused or making mistakes. I'd research it and then write a book on it. Yeah. So I think during COVID, I wrote three books. Really? Mm. It's such a good way to... I, mean, I haven't written a book, but I've written you know blogs and articles and stuff. And I think it, when you actually write something on paper, you can make it so much more clear in your mind's eye What's, what you're actually saying. I think it's a very therapeutic way of, way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, if you ever look at the pyramid about how do you, how do you retain and understand information, mm. you know, there's one where people tell you, there's another one when you do, and there's another one when you teach. Yeah. You know, and, and, and obviously the writing of a book is one, but then you go and teach that, and that's a real... Yeah, and people question you probably, and you think about it in more depth. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I want to ask you, how often do you change or adapt your environment to suit your needs? So like a personal thing, you said you've got your space that you go to work. Mm. Um, how often do you change that or adapt your living environment or whatever you're up to, 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 to sort of reevaluate what you need to perform? Not often, I'd say. Not often, okay. Yeah, I tend to find something I'm comfortable with. Uh, and I think it's just from my perspective, it's because I use my time in certain areas. And for me, changing that would not be a productive use of time mm. as I see it. Mm. And of course, I'm open to people to turn around and say, if you were to do this, then you'd be more productive. Yeah, but I yeah. just haven't had that experience yet. Yeah. Is there a way that you like to work? Do you, have, do you like to work in silence? Do you have a clean desk or do you like it to be a bit more messy? And... No, I definitely like it to be cleaner, although yep. my natural inclination is to have a mess. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm one of those people that live, can live in a mess, but I know I'm more ordered if I don't. Okay. Yeah. So that's one of the things I've learned. Yeah. Mm. Do you have a quote that you, you refer back to that inspires you? Ah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's an old African quote. Um, and I'm going to try and get it right on here. Um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Wow. I like that one. That's powerful. That's relationship building. Very relevant. Mm. I like it a lot. That's awesome. Where did you hear that? Just saw it online once, I think. And yeah. I just think it's so, so powerful. Yeah. Um, and you see met so many people going fast. They can't be bothered networking. They don't see the value. They don't see the point of sitting down and having a mm. coffee with friends because I'm just too on it. And it can take a little bit longer to get going when because there is that dynamic. But it takes more money. And, and it's just the whole dynamic. Mm. If you're around the right group of people, things just become so much easier. But I suppose what makes it a little bit slower is you do have to spend a bit of time with them, yep. helping them as well, but on the long term. But you, you build that power, right? You're building the roots first of the plant and then it will it will last uh, stand, the, stand the test of time. Um, if you had a full free day, how would you spend it? Full free day? Mm. What, like the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> it depends how <laughs> often you work, right? <laughs> oh, goodness me. Uh, I actually like doing some kind of exercise. 
I also like spending time with what friends, maybe cooking a meal. Mm. Um, so exercise. So I like going for like a four or five hour cycle in the morning, come back, um, do some kind of meal with friends, um, chill out with my wife. I mean, to me, it's crazy as that sounds. That's a perfect day. Yeah, that's a, that sounds lovely. It's mm. uh, it's always interesting to hear what people would do. But yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, do you have a final piece of advice for the audience? If they're looking to get into networking or improve their networking, what's something they can go away and think about um, that they can maybe implement themselves? Um, I think if you're, if anyone's taken away from this that, you know, yeah, okay, what are you saying? It kind of makes sense. Go and do it. Mm. You know, it's one thing to sit here and go, oh, yeah, it makes sense. But Bob Proctor said the biggest gap is between what we know and what we do. And everybody knows that relationships are important for business, but so few people do it with purpose. They tend to leave it to chance. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important. What have you got coming up, Phil? What's the next three months look like? Any projects on the go? Yeah, so we're, we're currently developing, uh, I've got a networking group called SBC, mm -hmm. uh, Strategic Business Connect, and uh, we're really building that ecosystem. So I have a number of verticals that we have this special format with, which you've obviously attended. So a number of verticals, but we're building this into a big ecosystem to really start to support entrepreneurs uh, at a different level. So that's that's my real goal. And from the incentive side, really finding somebody in the GCC, so Saudi Oman, Qatar, Bahrain, Abu Dhabi, who want to do what I'm doing and really get out there and help entrepreneurs to succeed. Mm. Because I'm a franchise, so looking for other people who want to start a business, mm but maybe don't have the, what, what am I going to sell? What am I going to deliver? Because the great thing about a franchise is, it's like, there you go. There's all the support. There's yeah. the marketing. Perfect You're just going to put your passion in there. Yeah. yeah. So always looking for people to join the family. That's amazing. And, and a little pitch in there for underwater hockey. How's the team going? Is it growing? It is growing. So there's now 100 players in the UAE. Wow. Um, Abu Dhabi, uh, the Ducks are doing really well. And... Uh, yeah, high 20 ducks out there. We will be beating you soon. Um, but yeah, underwater hockey is growing big guns. Amazing. And how can people find you? How can they find you online? So the best way to find me is um, therebelnetworker.com. Okay. Therebelnetworker.com. Perfect. And Instagram? Big on Instagram, LinkedIn? Insta, Rebel Networker, uh, in, um, LinkedIn, Phil Bedford. Perfect. Easy. Got easy, the easy. Best, the best taglines. Perfect. Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And I uh, hope to see you soon. Pleasure, man. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Greg. See you.